Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more.
Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 52. Hey Brad. Hi RJ. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Good, me too. Um, we're going to be joined by uh, another guest this week, Tyler Curtis. Yes, but the pleasure is all ours though. It is, always. Be told. Always. So yeah, so we're going to chat with Tyler and he picked a show that, that I was at a couple years ago. Um, I don't, But Brad wasn't because he lives on the other side of the world in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm just not that good of a fish fan, really. <laughs> the show we're going to talk about is um, January 1st, 2011. So we're going to chat with Tyler, um, and you'll hear uh, part one this week and, and part two next week. So I've dubbed it the stick show. The what? The stick show, because it's all ones. You know? Ooh, very good. Ooh. Did you, what do you think? Did you do a logo or anything? Yeah, I mean, we had like a think group on it and all that. But... <laughs> did you guys do some whiteboarding? <laughs> definitely brainstorming <clears throat> um all right well hope you all enjoy it let's get into our conversation with tyler tyler thanks so much for joining us you know we first started chatting on twitter and, and your handles uh at tyler curtis correct yeah yeah sweet so uh thanks for joining us and taking the time today um we always like to start off the conversations with um you know just kind of how you got into fish um if you if you recall, like that it moment where you where you know they turned you into a fan. I I think the uh, the the way that I got into fish, it it was really, um, I I had a I have a friend who, who I guess I would say got me into them and and we were over at his aunt's house, who she enjoyed fish. I think she was more of a deadhead, but her husband was a big techie and kind of switched everything over to digital and had all of these. Um, all of these CDs, like the physical copies, and a live one was left, um, you know, was left there, and that was one of the ones to take. And being a, a huge deadhead since I was, you know, around 12 years old, I would nice. say that this, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of knew who Fish was, but wasn't really a, a fan by any means. And that, that would be what really got me into them. But it wouldn't be until 2012. Um, which was, you know, a few years later, uh, I, I was probably, I was around, uh, you know, around 16, 17, but I, I saw them at MSG, um, on December 30th, 2000. No, it was, it was, I'm sorry. It was 2010. Uh, the show two nights before one, one eleven, I, I had seen fish for my, uh, for my first time. And it, nice. it kind of, oh, nice. yeah. So, so it was appropriate for, um, for for me to like talk about um, the, the show that we'll be talking about today because it, my first show was just two nights before that and absolutely floored. Um, I didn't go to the thirty first, but the, as soon as they opened up with the cities on on twelve thirty uh, two thousand and ten, it was that was my it moment. Like I instantly knew that I was going to be a fan that would see them as many times as I could. You know circumstances allowing and you know i have i've seen yeah. as much as i can and it's it's amazing my, it's so, my you know my favorite band did you go that's awesome did you um did you go to that whole run that whole new year's run unfortunately i was only able to do the fir- i was able to do the first night mm-hmm. which was the 30th and then I did <clears> the 31st or no i didn't do the 31st uh i watched that at home though and um because you know i i just i I guess New Year's Eve has always been like a big family thing, so I, I haven't okay, really cool. seen much live music. But I always make sure to uh, you know check out the the webcast and uh, and then I went back the next night and um, and there was a tweet up um, for for the first which 
kind of was also symbolic because Fish is more than just a band. It's also like, you know, it's become a community. Well, it has been a community for a while, but in my life, it's become a a huge part of of, uh, my day to day. So the tweet up, which I'm sure it's, you know, it's talked about on the show is uh, everybody that's uh, or a lot of the guests that that I've seen have been a part of it. And it's like, yeah. That was the big. Uh, that was also a big part of what hooked me to the band. I guess was that there was like a community. Seeing Fish for my first time and my second time, and meeting up with people, and then seeing them at every show is also become another element besides loving the music. So uh, I think that this MSG run was um, was catastrophic in the uh, and, and or you know largely influential in my Fish career. Nice. That's awesome, man. Catastrophic in a positive way. Oh, yeah, why? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I guess catastrophic to my uh, to my bank account. But. Yeah. <laughs> terribly. Yeah, I like when you say like, terribly yeah, amazing. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. It was yeah. terribly. Yeah. It was it was the worst yeah. amazing time ever. <laughs> and Tyler, Tyler, you write about music um, as as part of your I know hobby and 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 career and you how does how does writing about fish and writing about music affect the way you listen to them? Oh, that's um, that that's a great question because I, I think that when you listen to music as a fan, you don't necessarily want to critique certain things that you are required to or you feel compelled to when you're actually examining or uh, dissecting music. So when I'm listening to Fish as a fan, um, I'm I'm definitely critiquing them, but am I really trying to like find what's wrong with the music? Not always. So I yeah. think that's a huge element in um in my like my my writing career and and loving fish because you have to balance that out. You can't anybody that's going to compare what fish has done in the past to what they do now or what they'll do in the future, um, you know, to what they, they, they used to do. It, it, it's horrible to, to, to your, uh, your, your life as a fan. It's not, it's not very healthy because you'll probably spend that time, um, you know, not enjoying the music. So I, I like to, when I'm not covering a show, I like to just enjoy it, I guess. It's, it's nice. the right answer. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I'll go back. Like I'll go back and write about shows, but it's not really like uh, if I'm on assignment, then I, I definitely am just like there paying attention, writing notes the entire time. Yep, fair enough. Nice, you got to be right. Nice. Turn it on or off, right? It makes sense. So let's. I, we kind of hinted at it. Um, we're gonna play January first, two thousand eleven, as the show this week. We're gonna split it into two parts. We're gonna play the first set this week and then the second set next week. But you know, we'll just spread the conversation out over the two sets too. Um, and we're going to include the music in the show, which we've kind of been going back and forth about. So this is something new we're trying. Um, but Tyler, set the backdrop a little bit, you know, tell us a little bit about MSG. Have you seen other shows before this at MSG? I had seen Fish the 30th as my first show, but the night before, <laughs> um, I, I had seen Prince Awesome. At MSG. That's awesome. So I was kind of like, t- yeah, the contrast of, of uh, yeah. going to see like a, a pop icon and then, um, you know, the one of the best rock and roll jam bands that, that the world has to offer. It's kind of uh, a, uh, a shell, like it's like shell shock, like when you walk into MSG for fish, because it's, yeah. you're, not, you're not seeing like all the theatrics that, that you see at a Prince show. Like the Prince stage. Shreds, for- too, though. What was that? He shreds though too. He's like, 
Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm not gonna compare the two shows, right? Because it would be it would be crazy too. But right, right. but neither neither were was was less amusing. Like they were both equally as amusing and stimulating. And so so seeing a show like Prince at, at MSG kind of um was like, all right, I, I've seen the theatrics of of a pop show. Now to go see Fish play uh, somewhere where they've been known to play and known to absolutely um, slay. It, it was kind of really, um, I don't know, it was amusing and like it was a good welcoming for MSG because I hadn't really been there before that. So that was my um, my, my introduction and it was it, uh, my favorite place to see music by far. Yeah, man, it's an awesome place and that I always try to go to catch the, you know, a show or two around the New Year's runs there and um, it's just the the vibe and the energy there is is un, unmatched. Um, you were here. You were there too, RG, right? Yeah, this show. Yeah, I think this might be the only one I saw that run. Um, I can't remember, but I th- I'm pretty sure. Um, and Tyler, before we get into, it, I actually had a question. I, I don't think Brad. I don't think we've talked about this yet either. But Tyler, as like a younger fan who's kind of newer to the band, are you? What are your feelings about the the Chicago? dead 50 thing are you going are you oh, yeah. how do you feel about it are you excited do you think it's going to be awesome etc i will in every in all of my power i will be there i'm trying to find somebody that wants it written about that will run my my words nice um yes i think that anybody that has a problem with it probably has some legitimate reasoning but anybody that like is actually angry about it needs to um re-examine what the what the music means to them because i think that if anything this was the band that kind of played the music um expanding their their name and finishing what they've done for 50 years with a musician that obviously we all love so we're gonna be i think that most fish fans are excited about this sure um yeah but i i don't i don't know that every like i know that every deadhead is not excited but most that I that that I've talked to have been. I really want to be there. Um, might be because I didn't see Jerry, but I just talked to somebody last night that said that they they had seen Pigpen because I was playing with a bunch of Deadheads in in New York City and um, playing some music because I'm a drummer. So and that that was that was fun because like it was all a bunch of different. It, it, everybody was different ages, and I asked like who was going. This guy was like, "Oh no, like I'm not going." Um, but I really want to. Like I, ha- I don't have tickets, but I, you know, I would love to. And I saw Pigpen, and you know, mm-hmm. I've seen every almost nice. every lineup. So that goes to show that it, it's just about how the music, like how it jives with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Arjun, you and I talked about that Rolling Stone piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the interview with Trey, um, and there were some really good points. Right. I mean, there's some some points that he made that I think set me a little bit at ease. I don't know about you. Yeah. I mean, I think it was amazing that he just, how he talked about how much attention he's paying to it and how, how seriously he's taking it. Not that, not that you'd expect anything less, but just, it's nice Mm -hmm. to see that he was, he says he gets up before the, before it even gets light out and like starts practicing. And I thought really cool part of that was how, um, he talked about his conversation with mountain girl and he was like, Mm. she told him, 
Mountain Girl told Trey, like, people had this idea of Jerry as being, like, a sitting on the couch smoking joints, but he was, like, so serious about practicing, yeah. and he just, that's all he did when he wasn't playing was practice. So I thought that was, <laughs> like, kind of interesting. I don't know, Tyler, did you see that Rolling Stone piece? I did. I That that was, um, I don't know who wrote that. I, I probably should have paid attention to the name, but it first off, the whole piece painted a picture, and, I, yeah, I think that Trey handled it answered all the questions beautifully i'm sure that that he had some help on on you know in terms of like answering those questions uh or like or he at least he he definitely knew what it seemed like he expected those those questions the way that he yeah. answered them so well almost you know um but yeah i think he is uh the perfect man for the job and the practicing that kind of like goes to show that that trey really is honored you know like i mean yeah. i guess you know obviously that's why he said that but it it definitely does indicate that he's not taking it lightly and he shouldn't because it's it, it's not music that should be taken lightly it's it's you know especially with the the theme of the event totally yeah, that's right yeah that's right and i think also, it's i was just gonna say i think it's such an honor for like us as fish fans and and dead fans and brad and i have been dead fans for I don't know, 20 years or more, as long as we've been fish fans, but as long as I've been alive. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's just, it's an honor for us as fans to be able to like, um, connect those two worlds in a way that I think the, the members of the band respect, you know, it's just, it's yeah. nice to see that all come together. It's yeah, a, yeah. It, and for me, it's a simple point, but the one that Trey made that like, and I think, um, some of the deadheads who are against the idea, um, their, their fear, is that Trey's going to try to be like Jerry or sound like Jerry, but like, you know, it's kind of put to rest in that, in that piece where he's just like, look, I, I can't do that. I'm not pretending to do that. So I'm just going to practice and do the best I can. And, you know, we're going to sing together if, if we need to. And, you know, somebody else will take the vocals if needed. And, you know, we're just going to go up there and do the best we can and, and pay tribute to like some really fucking great music. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And Tyler, have you seen, I know you see a lot of live music. Did you see um, Joe Russo's Almost Dead recently? I know it's like, it's, it's all the hype among lots of people I'm, I'm friends with on uh, yeah. through fish, but I don't know if you've seen them or you have thoughts on that. I, I'm probably the biggest Joe Russo's Almost Dead fan that's never seen them that lives <laughs> nice. in the area. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I was just saying to somebody yesterday and they, they disagreed, but I think that they are some of the best, except for this band Dead Tapes that was like out of Brooklyn. Um, that Dead Gone blog like shared a, back in the, like a few years ago or whatever. But yeah. uh, but they were they were great. But the, Joe Russo's Almost Dead is like the perfect um, approach at at old school um, raw energy Grateful Dead where you're not seeing any sort of slowing down. Like there's no breaks that are applied, and you never feel like. You, like you always feel like you're going downhill <laughs> in the best way and not, right, not right. You know, like, and, and not like you're gaining speed not in the way of like the, it, it's bad it, it's just i don't know i think joe russo is my favorite drummer and as a drummer it's a very important um like title to give somebody as your favorite drum but he he like he will be in the middle of a jam and will absolutely send everything the 180 degrees the other way with his mm -hmm. with his playing and and directing as a drummer is not easy but it it, right. it uh, indicates that you're a good one so it's nice. a perfect lineup it's a great lineup um 
I, I think actually I wouldn't say perfect only because Tom Hamilton, um, well, while I, I love his work, he might not, you know, he might be the weakest link, which isn't a bad thing. Someone's got to hold that title, but, uh, I, I love Dave Dreyowitz too, as a basis. So, you know, nice. I think the worst performance, uh, and people might give me some shit for this, but, um, Phil Lesh with Joe Russo is almost dead was some of the slowest J rad that, and you yeah. know, not to, not to hate on it. Just to say, it just, I, when I, when I, if I were to go see J rad, I would want to go and see them just rip it up. But like, I, would, right. I, I feel like Phil can't hold his own. Yeah. You're not the only person who said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Well, yeah, I, I, but, the the sort of interest and um, excitement and hype right now around J Rad, I mean, it's got to have something to do with this Dead Fifty stuff, right? It's just it's all kind of um, it just seems like very good timing for the for the for the band. Um, oh, to go on tour, yeah, yeah for that, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Which is you know yeah. nothing wrong yeah. with that. It's just an interesting kind of time. But I agree, they're good. I mean, they're really good. They do they do a great job, and they're not. Um, I think Steve Hyden last week or last episode we had on. Uh, we had him on and he was talking about like the dark star orchestra and how he just kind of wasn't into it, but I don't think you can compare J red and dark star orchestra. It's like a, to me, J red's fresh and they're not trying to do a show. They're just playing some dead tunes and they're just trying to just jam them and rip them up, which is what I want to, what I want to experience when I go see some people playing the dead. Well, I mean, I love, I, I loved, I love DSO. I don't, yeah. I don't understand how, how people um like i i actually i can't say that i understand how people wouldn't like them because like it's sometimes they're going to be too close to them and i'm not trying to change the, the conversation it's just like um j-rad is like such a different animal so it's like yeah that's what i'm saying yeah yeah, yeah exactly no exactly mm-hmm. like i think people really compare every dead cover band sure. as, as if as if they're level and i guess i'm you know and i'm definitely i'm definitely agreeing when I say that, like, y- you can't put them on the same playing field because DSO is, isn't is going for the same thing. And I don't no. know, I, 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 I definitely uh, can, can stand behind people that, that, like, want to separate what J-Rad's going for as opposed to even what J-Rad with Phil is going for, like, two different animals. Right, right, right. Yeah, totally. But Phil approves, so like they, I can understand how they would capitalize on the dead fifty year. You know, people want to go out, and, and Billy is coming. I don't know if you guys uh, checked that out, but Billy and the kids are doing a, a date, a few dates around the, uh, uh, like at the Capitol Theater. It's Bill Kreisman with like Aaron Magner and like all of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he and you know like uh, I I don't even know who else is in that group but it, yeah it's it's a it's an interesting year for for the dead supposedly Mickey Hart and Steve Kamak and and um, Bobby were all jamming together so nice nice awesome. everybody's just getting everybody's just coming together yeah no so I mean I guess like the whole thing is that it it doesn't matter who you are you're gonna you know kamak's got his own his own dead thing going on right now so like you know literally everybody is 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 coming up with their own way to cash in yeah for sure <laughs> yeah you got um, to right so so tyler let's jump into um to january 1st 2011 um 
Yeah. Well, um, so we're going to play the set right now, and then we'll come back and chat about it in a minute. Um, I guess before we go, first, I just want to say thanks to um, Jonathan, who's at J on Twitter, who's a, a good friend of, of the podcast yes. and of ours for giving us some input on, on our format. And we're hopefully going to have him on to to help guest host um, sometime soon. So. And also raise the IQ level of our podcast exponentially. <laughs> he's a good guy. He's a, good yeah. guy. He's a great guy. Um, all right. Well, you guys can f- find um, Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Curtis, and we're on Twitter at HFPod. Um, send us an email about this this um, changing format at um, helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, um, thanks for listening, and we'll see you here at Set Break.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
right, so that was uh, the first set from 1111 Madison Square Garden. Uh, it opened with my soul, then tube went into Runaway Gym, went into foam, then we heard Gula, Aguila Papyrus, into Divided Sky, Round Room into Walk Away, into Jabu, into Reba, and then the set closed with Walls of the Cave. Um, to me, this first set, I'm glad Tyler chose it. It's, it's got uh, a lot of songs that, to me, make a wonderful first set. Jim and Tube and My Soul, Jabu, even Reba, The Walls was amazing. So anyway, let's, let's um, chat about that a little bit. Tyler, what's your takeaway from the first set generally? And then, you know, give us some highlights. Well, when I was looking over at the set list and, uh, you know, because I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I had to look back and, and listen. I remembered certain th- aspects about the show, but I, I actually was looking at the when each, each um, song de- debuted and like most of, except for like Round Room and I guess like Jabu and and maybe you know like Walls or whatever, they're all very early Fish songs. Yes, true. Except My Soul is a cover, obviously, and so is Walk Away. But even even Walk Away was eighty eight, and My Soul was ninety seven. But you know, like right. Tube ninety, Runaway Jim nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. So I think that they were uh, they were ready to like get that. Uh, it's not like a throwback set. It's just there's like that raw original fish energy. Like I would, ex- I would almost l- have loved to have seen this set also done back in 1.0 and see like how it played out. You know? Yeah, it's interesting, Tyler. I was just looking at the fishnet chart, and um, the it looks like out of the you know however many songs were played two four six eight nine ten eleven eleven or twelve of the songs played were were before 1991. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, crazy. I wrote I wrote down like next yeah, exactly. It's like it, it's crazy. But, you know, I, well not crazy. I I actually don't really do that for many fish shows, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Maybe maybe a, a majority of it, like a majority of the material that they became famous for was written then, so. Yeah, no, I think you're right though. There's like mm-hmm. especially some of those covers that that were super old. I mean, I thought this set was so just listening back and I was there, but um listening back like the first there's basically not even a, a a single break until round room so the my soul tube foam yes right gym it was all super high energy you know which is which is awesome um, so the the mic song break came late in the set i mean i guess it was only halfway through or so but like it seemed later than usual right yeah yeah definitely yeah. um and Tyler, what were I, I wanted to talk about the Reba because I, I had this insane experience um, during Reba, which I'll tell you guys about. But anything on the songs before that, like any of those jams um, at the beginning that you wanted to touch on? The Divided Sky stood out as like you know that song is always powerful. But I remember watching Trey's face, um, even in the video, like when I got home too, because he's gleaming. It's like the whole room is just absolutely in in uh in his everyone's screaming and it's and it's just like it's almost like the beauty of silence and and trey's like taking it all in because like after that the execution on divided sky like from then on out is just on point it's it's like it's one of my favorite versions they hit the composed parts well and um i remember i don't really remember watching the uh, the webcast um but it's cool that tyler said that you know trey was really you know, feeding off the energy and all that because it, I think it comes through, especially 
uh, going back and listening now. Yeah, and my my wife was there, and it's her it's her favorite song, so it's always nice that she got nice. she got her favorite. Um, also, yes. she got it in Miami this year too, which is cool. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's always nice when that happens. No, um, and so so we're like behind the stage in the you know first level or something, and during Reba, this dude um, who's obviously like on drugs, he he basically like. It, during so this is like during the composed part of Reba, which is like all I want is just like silence. And this dude is like in between the the two the two um, rows, and he's like screaming, and he's like I'm stuck in the seat, I can't get out, and like makes this huge scene. And he wasn't actually stuck. He, I think he was just tripping, and he thought he was stuck. And during the so during the composed part of Reba, what ends up happening is he's like yelling for a while and stuff, and. MSG like security comes over and they they basically unscrew two of the seats where he said he was stuck and so there's like five huge dudes right next to us with their flashlights and their screwdrivers and they're taking apart seats trying to get this dude out and then it turned out he wasn't actually stuck he was just really fucked up and then they ended up like dragging him out by like his arms and he was like screaming something about seeing god and um it was it was like this is all happening during the composed part of reba it's like one of the craziest things i've ever seen at a show reba has that effect on me too man (laughs) right yeah maybe it was just you know that's how it goes but it was so crazy this is also a really good version really nice um nice jam to to end it out he was actually screaming trey please whistle yeah right right i think that was maybe he he was protesting um but the really nice, nice end of the jam, and then another, another song after that, "Walls of the Cave," which has been more of a closer in the the 3.0 era. Perfect, perfect slot. The crazy, crazy closer. I don't know. I feel like I've been at several shows where I thought the set was over, and then they bust into "Walls of the Cave" as a closer. Um, it's a good. I think that was the overall resentment, uh, or the overall feeling too, is that after Reba, it was going to end. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't. I we I used to not love Walls of the Cave, but it's definitely grown on me. I think because it's always it always seems like a bonus song at the end there, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a bonus track. <laughs> right. I like it. I like Round Room generally. Yeah, I don't know, man. That that the era, like a lot of those songs, I just you know, I know people are yeah. like dying to hear like Pebbles and Marbles, Pebbles and, and yeah. you know. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, but yeah, but the sand just sifts through your fingers, bro. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, Round Room, it's what? It was played for its fifth times, too, I I think. Like, that was its fifth, maybe its fifth time. Was it really? Was it that that few? Yeah, could be. Well, that's... Hold on, um, let me me look at that. Let's look at it. Oh, wait, it actually has only been played five times, and that was the last one. Good for you, Tyler. Look at you. You've done your fucking homework. Well, yeah. I learned from, uh, from the best. (laughs) <laughs> to, uh, to come prepared come prepared that was fun to revisit that set um tyler and thanks for thanks for bringing this this back to us um and so we're gonna um hop right into the to the second set which the audience you'll hear as part two all right so that was the end of part one or set one of um one one eleven from msg uh tyler curtis was kind enough to join us um for both parts and um it was some great music did you like it rj yeah, man, it was fun to revisit. Set one was great. Um, I'm looking really looking forward to set two because it's one of those sets that just flows. You know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. I bet our audience is really looking forward to it too, but they have to wait for one whole week, right, for part two to come out. Yep, 
patience is a virtue. Yeah, let us know your thoughts, obviously, as always. Um, and check us out on Twitter at HFPod and um, email us at helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail.com. We aim to please all of you wonderful fans, so thanks for listening. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Right. And so tune in for uh, part two next week. And if you want to, you can hit us up on the Twitters at HFPod, obviously. And mm-hmm. you can find us on the internet in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And finally, um, not to be somber, but like, I think we got to say something about Harris Whittles. It's, it was like, uh, 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 you know, just a sad thing this week that he passed away at yeah. the age of 30. Um, succumbed to his young. drug addiction, man. It's really hard. Um, and although like I've never met him personally, we had some chat, chat with him over the internet, um, try to get him on the podcast and all that, but he's, Turns out he was really busy and famous, and we're not. So, um, it um, it sucks. It sucks for the community. Um, and I guess what we can learn from it is that, like, you know, there's always somebody out there to help you if you need it, and um, reach out because I think Mirf Mirf said it the best, and he's like, if we're everywhere, then there's probably help everywhere. Yeah, which is yeah. a really poignant poignant tweet. He oh he's on he he that's how that's his that's his middle name poignant tweet. He's but, pretty good at the tweets. But you're right, dude. He was, you know, yeah. he was way too young, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Well, tune in for part two. Thanks for listening to part one. Bye. everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.